Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. Several weeks ago, we assembled in this church and received the black mark of ash upon our brow as a sign of our penance and our sorrow for our sins. On that day, we began a journey. We fixed our eyes on the promised land. As the Hebrew children began their 40-year pilgrimage from slavery of Egypt and into the freedom of Jerusalem. That journey, their journey, ended on the banks of the Jordan River, where Moses taught the Israelites the supreme commandment to love God above all things. And the next day they would pass over the Jordan and enter a new reality, a new freedom that for them was culminated in a single moment, a sacrifice of the first fruits that they grew in the promised land. It's a story that the Jews kept each year with the Passover festival, a story of God's love for man. The most blessed Trinity had fallen in love with man, and his love was to be consummated in a new reality, the freedom of the children of Israel. And yet that was a literal freedom. Israel was still bound by the sin of their first parents, and so they were still in need of true freedom a true Passover. And so on this night, nearly 2,000 years ago, our Lord gathered with his apostles in the holy city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But this Passover was to be unlike none that had come before. Something new was going to occur that night, or rather something that was reformed and purified. Christ gives his apostles a new form of sacrifice, which would replace all the meager sacrifices that came before. That is the mystery that we need to consider tonight. You see, there's two realities to the Eucharist. There's the sacrament and the sacrifice. Now, we have a a feast day in the summer, Corpus Christi, where each year we reflect on the sacrament of the Eucharist. So we'll we'll wait till then to reflect on the real presence of our Lord and the effects of his sacrament. Tonight, it's our duty to see to the sacrifice. Because if we don't, we could fail to miss the significance of this night, fail to see it. So much happens in these next few days. In our Lord's day, it was on this morning that he sent his apostles to prepare, seemingly, for a normal Passover. They found the location, an upstairs room of a home. They gathered all the necessary foods, And when night came, they celebrated this meal, which we'll consider in a moment. But from there, they went into the garden, and Christ began his agony. He sweat blood, that same blood which moments before he had handed over to the apostles in the upper room. And then he was betrayed and bound in chains. He was taken to Caiaphas and mocked, beaten. He was imprisoned in a dark dungeon. Peter denied him three times, all in one night. The next morning would come his trial and his execution, the moment of his sacrifice. And so it's impossible for us to disassociate the Lord's Supper from his sacrifice. 
When he broke the bread, he set his father's plan in motion. The wheels began to turn, and it could not be stopped. The blood he passed to St. John that night in the chalice is the same blood that was pooled upon his face in the garden, the same blood drawn from his wounds as he was scourged, bled out as he was nailed fast to a tree, poured out as his side was pierced. And so surely when St. John gazed up at the cross with Mary beside him and saw his crucified Lord, he realized the meaning of Christ's words. This is my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. It was this that drew the apostles to celebrate again and again the mystery of our Lord's body and blood. St. Paul didn't think it was necessary to write to us tonight in his epistle about the Lord's Supper simply because it helped him remember the Lord. But because by participating in this meal, the Lord is sacrificed for all of our sins. His purpose is fulfilled in us. Tradition hands down to us that the blessed apostle Matthew was speared through while celebrating this very mystery, the bread and wine, body and blood in his hands as he died. No, tonight is about so much more than a meal, so much more even than our Lord's presence in the Eucharist. Tonight is about the love of God for man, who hands himself over to death for our sake, who lowers himself to become our slave. Notice when he goes to wash the apostles' feet, he doesn't look at them and say, look, See how I can lower myself down to you when the need arises. No, he goes to each of them as if telling, See, I'm here as your servant. This wasn't a momentary symbol. The washing of the disciples' feet, he isn't trying to institute a sacrament of washing feet. He's revealing in this gesture the reality of who he is. He places himself at our disposal. A slave is at his master's call. And each time we come to the Holy Mass, the priest standing in the place of Christ calls on the Lord. We ring a bell, and the servant appears to us. He places himself at our beck and call. We find ourselves in dire need, bound to a hospital bed, perhaps in our last hour, and we're not able to move. And so the Lord, the suffering servant, comes to meet us there in his Eucharistic sacrifice. He consents to be present wherever we wish to call upon him. Not in some merely spiritual presence, but in reality. His blood poured out and confined to the golden chalice that we provide for him. The little child approaches for their first communion. And so the priest has to bow down to reach them, almost ridiculously, because the Lord consents to stoop over and meet us. And so he stoops over tonight and removes his outer garment and washes his disciples' feet because he was there out of love for them. I call you my friends, he told them tonight. Christ reveals to Peter in this act how Peter is to live out the rest of his life and all his uh, successors, the servant of the servants of God. If we wish to meet our Lord, if we wish to know how Christ desires us to see him, we need to look no further than this night. It's all here in the Holy Mass. The humility, the suffering, the love. St. Jose Maria Escriva teaches us, one who fails to love the Mass fails to love Christ. 
Those who love, whose love acquires a finesse, a sensitivity of the soul that makes them notice details that are sometimes very small, but that are important because they express the love of a passionate heart. This is how we should attend the Holy Mass, he says. Those who want the Mass to be over quickly, with their insensitive attitude, they have not yet realized the sacrifice and what the altar means. People sometimes ask me why I obsess over what may seem like minute details in the liturgy. This is why. Because before the Feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew it. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. And so Christ the Lord, on this night, knew what was coming next. He knew this was the last moment he would have with his closest friends before he died, and he chose a very particular manner in which to spend that moment. We cannot ignore that detail. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us that the Eucharist is the aim of all the sacraments. This is why. It's in this moment that Christ tears back the veil. He pulls out all the stops. God's love for man is supremely revealed to us in this one sacrifice. He is given to us to preserve us until the end of time. There's nothing on the planet, nothing in the cosmos, which compares to this one moment. That compares to all the moments that we spend in the Holy Mass. We are content to schedule off an hour each Sunday to spend in the Holy Mass. But if we truly understood what the Mass is, we would desire to rest in this moment, to let it sink in. How could we ever dream of leaving? Our Lord's first command to his apostles on this day was to make preparations for the Passover festival. That is the command that we receive each time we approach the Mass, each time we get in the car and we're driving to church. The Mass is our new Passover. In each Mass, Christ comes forth as both the high priest and the victim. He sacrificed himself for us and carries us over the Jordan River into true freedom, into the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. We can never let our attendance at the Holy Mass become so casual that we forget it is a sacrifice, that we treat it as if it's some communal gathering. Our Lord asks each of us tonight the same question that he poses the apostles almost 2,000 years ago. Do you realize what I have done for you? Do we realize what Christ is even now doing for us?